Harestaschintayayu Harestaschintayayu Nripaschaya daya satmyam Harestaschintayayu Jata jata bhagavato Bhakta paramaya bhita Nripaschaya daya satmyam Harestaschintayayu Jata jata bhagavato Bhakta paramaya bhita Nipaschadya daya satmyam Harestaschintayayu just as <coughs> Bhagavata of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Bhaktya by devotional service Paramamaya Paramaya Supreme Abhidha incessantly thinking of such activities Nripa kings Chaitya Adhaya Shishupal Dantavakra and others Satmyam the same form Hare of the Supreme Personality of Godhead Tachintaya by constantly thinking of him. Yayu returned home back to Godhead. Translation. By devotional service, pure devotees who incessantly think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead receive bodies similar to his. This is known as Sarupya Mukti. Although Shishupal 
Dantavakra and other kings thought of Krishna as an enemy, they also achieved the same result. Responsibly, please, by devotional service. Pure devotees who incessantly think of the Supreme Personality of Godhead receive bodies similar to his. This is known as Sarupya Mukti. Although Shishapal, Dantavakra and other kings thought of Krishna as an enemy, they also achieved the same result. Now, this kind of sounds a little bit strange, doesn't it? You know, you, you can serve Krishna as devotee, you'll get Sarupya Mukti, you can be his enemy, you'll get the same thing. But it looks the same, but it's not the same. It's completely different, actually. Because they just, you know, according to Jiva Goswami, they'll get the external appearance, the Sarupya Mukti, but they don't get the rasa, they don't get the uh, relationship. Purport. In the Chaitanya Charamrita, in connection with Lord Chaitanya's instructions to Sanatana Goswami, it is explained that a devotee should externally execute his routine devotional service in a regular way, but should always inwardly think of the particular mellow in which he is attracted to the service of the Lord. This constant thought of the Lord makes the devotee eligible to return home back to Godhead. As stated in the Bhagavad Gita 4.9, Tyakta Deham Punajanma Nayetimam Eti Sojuna. After giving up his body, a devotee does not again receive a material body, but goes back to Godhead and receives a spiritual body resembling those of the Lord's eternal associates who activity, whose activities he followed. However, the devotee likes to serve the Lord, he may constantly think of the Lord's associates the cowherd boys, the gopis, the Lord's father and mother, his servants and the trees, land, animals, plants and water in the Lord's abode. Just imagine that, you could think of how Krishna is interacting with the water and then you could take on the form of the water and be able to caress the Lord's body when he's swimming in the Jamuna, for instance. Because of constantly thinking of these features, one acquires trans a, a transcendental position Kings like Shishapal, Dantavakra, Kangsa, Pondraka, Naragasura, and, Sh and Shalva were all similarly delivered. This is confirmed by Madhvacharya, Pondrake, Narake, Chayiva, Shalved, Kangse, Charukmina, Rukmini, Avistas tu Hare Bhaktas, Tad Bhaktya, Harim Apere. Pondraka, Naragasura, Shalva and Kangsa were all inimical towards the Supreme Personality of Godhead, but because all these kings constantly thought of him, they achieved the same liberation, Sarupya Mukti. The, the Jnana Bhakta, the devotee who follows the path of Jnana, also attains the same destination. Even if the enemies of the Lord achieve salvation by constantly thinking about the Lord, what is to be said of pure devotees who always engage in the Lord's service and who think of nothing but the Lord in every activity. So a very wonderful verse. And this is continuing on from the previous verse where we see that um, 
how even though they act, these kings acted inimical, inimically towards Krishna, they achieved salvation. And this is because of Krishna's pure nature, that anything that has contact with Krishna becomes purified. Anything or anyone. Doesn't matter what, what it is, what its nature is. It's just like sometimes the, the example is given of the sun. The sun has a, what is called a prophylactic nature. It means that the sun purifies, but itself it doesn't become contaminated. For instance, in, in India and other countries, you'll find uh, poorer people, they don't have any um, bathrooms and things like that. So they actually go and pass stool, urine, etc., in a field. And generally, in, in more cultured parts of India, they'll have designated places where, where, as you see commonly nowadays, they just do it anywhere. But in, in more cultured parts of India, they have places that are designated um, where people will pass stool. And um, even though people are passing stool in these places uh, and urine, the sun actually dries up the place and actually purifies the place after a few days uh, because of its prophylactic nature. But the sun is so powerful that it doesn't become contaminated. Or another example is given, it's just like if you have a large body of, you know, say for instance, if we bathe in a bath, you know, that's got water in it, the water becomes contaminated because it's only a small body of water. But if we were to bathe in a large body of water, such as a, a, a lake or, or, or a river or the sea, it doesn't become contaminated because of the, the power or because of the, the, the size of that body of water. So in the same way we see um, with, with the sun, because it's so powerful that it can, it can dry up these contaminated places and purify these contaminated places, but itself it does not become contaminated. So we see in the same way with Krishna, he's very, very powerful. And even though someone may be sinful, just like we, we see these examples of Shishapal, Dantavakra, Narakasura and others, they become purified, completely purified by contact with Krishna because he's so, he himself is so powerful and so pure. Now it's really interesting in this verse how um, the, the, the verse is saying that, that, that the, these persons who, enacted, who acted inimically towards Krishna achieved the same goal as those who acted with bhakti. Because it's saying by, by devotional service, pure devotees who incessantly think about the Supreme Person of God receive bodies similar to his. This is known as Sarupya Mukti. And Shishapal, Dantravatra and other kings thought of Krishna's enemy, they also achieved the same result. So they got Sarupya Mukti, that's, that's true. They got a form similar to that of Krishna. But then we see in the purport, Prabhupada <coughs> is saying that um, a devotee should externally execute his routine devotional service in a regular way, but should always inwardly think of the particular mellow in which is he attracted to the service of the Lord. So a few things here is one, is, is this is not for a sadhaka. This is not a sadhaka who's thinking like this. A sadhaka just practices routine devotional service, hearing and chanting, etc. But then as one becomes more and more advanced, then one's, um, what would you say, their, 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 their nature, their, their actual, you know, intrinsic nature becomes more revealed to them. And then they'll start to contemplate um, 
exchanges with the Lord. Well, not necessarily exchanges with the Lord, but they'll, they'll contemplate more the activities of, of, of the, the uh, Raganuga Bhaktas, you know, the, the, great, the great personalities um, such as Nandamaraj, Sodamai, the Gopis, um, etc. It's not necessarily that everyone, you know, like we see it's quite a common thing with uh, devotees who are not necessarily so advanced in devotional service. They want to contemplate the, the pastimes of the gopis with Krishna. And often you can see that this is due to their conditioning, their, their, their contaminated um, consciousness. They're, they're thinking that this is the, the highest enjoyment. And yes, in, in, in a sense we can understand this is, this is the, the highest relationship, but it's got nothing to do with mundane sex. Whereas we see people, they'll contemplate these um, relationship between Krishna and the gopis, and this is usually driven by this, this contamination of, of you know, desire for mundane sex. But here we see Prabhupada describing that whatever relationship you, you, you have, or whatever relationship you are attracted to, and he, he, very interesting, he says, you know, he talks about the cowherd boys, the gopis, the Lord's father and mother, his servants. So he's talking about the major rasas, uh, you know, um, what is it? Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. But then he also talks about Shantaras, um, how, you know, the trees, the land, the animals, the plants, the water in the Lord's abode. So he even talks about that, how one can contemplate these uh, relationships with Krishna and then ultimately one as one becomes purified, then you return to the spiritual realm and one has a relationship with Krishna you know, in, in a particular rasa. And this is the point that Jiva Goswami makes when he comments on this verse. It's not that we just receive the form and there's no relationship. One who's a devotee of Krishna will receive the same form or a similar form to Krishna, but there's a relationship. One has, has exchanged with Krishna in, in whatever the relationship one is attra attracted to. Whether it's as the, you know, as a friend, as a lover, as a parent, as a child, as a servant, whatever it might be, one can have that relationship with Krishna. And the nice thing about the relationship is that there's no inebriates. It, 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 it's not, it's not that the relationship is contaminated by the same challenges we have here in the material world, be it material desires, be it you know, uh, uh, the body sort of mis you know, malfunctioning or falling apart. It's not contaminated by any, any of these things, but actually it has no inebrieties uh, at all. And it's really interesting <coughs> here, this is like the concluding section or the concluding words of this whole pastime uh, of Prahlad Maharaj. And uh, I think it's 11, 12, 13, 14. This will be uh, chapters 11, 12, 13, 14. Yudhisthira Maharaj will be further questioning Narad Muni because this is actually a conversation uh, what's being described here is a conversation between Yudhisthira and Narad Muni. Yudhisthira Maharaj has asked Narad Muni questions and this whole story of Prahlad Maharaj and his exchanges with um, Hiranyakashipu uh, uh, being uh, related to Yudhisthira Maharaj by Narad Muni. And it's really interesting how this conversation came about because if we look at, um, I think it's chapter 18, in, in the middle of chapter 18 of the sixth canto, Parikit Maharaj was listening to Shukadeva Goswami. Shukadeva Goswami described how um, the two sons of Diti, meaning Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu, were killed 
by Vishnu to favor Indra. And Parikit Maharaj thought this is quite interesting. Although I thought Krishna was, was impartial. How is it that he seems to be favoring the sons of uh, 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 Indra against the, the sons of Deity? So he, he seems like he's favoring the sons of Aditi against the sons of Deity. And it's kind of interesting because he asked this question in the... Um, Oh, sorry, he hears, that he is, hears this uh, point being mentioned in, in the middle of the 18th chapter. And you may remember there's 19 chapters in, in, the, in the sixth canto. And yet he doesn't actually ask the question until the first verse of the seventh canto. So we can see that uh, he, he, he's kind of like, he waits till, till, till Shukadeva Goswami finishes describing the, the, uh, the he was talking about the, uh, the, the Pungsavana Prata that was performed by Deity, which this all goes on for a chapter and a half of the, of the, of the Bhagavatam. And, and so not only doesn't he interrupt, but he remembers his question. He remembers what he, had to, he wanted to ask. I mean, I know myself, it's like when, when I hear something, you know, that, oh, that's interesting, I want to ask a question. I, you know, I've got to ask the question, I can't wait, you know, and almost I almost interrupt people just to, just to ask the question. Or, or the, my concern is that I might forget what the question is or forget what they're talking about because usually you know, so many other things come up and other questions come up. But Parikit, it's not like that. He's a person of caliber and he has, he has a good memory. And so he doesn't, interrupt the, he doesn't interrupt his teacher, his spiritual master, but also he remembers what the question was. And we see he remembers many, many questions as the Bhagavatam unfolds. You see how points come up, and it's the same with the sages of Navisharanya. All these different points come up, and, and they remember the question. Sometimes, many chapters later, they say, well, actually, you, you said this, and, and you know, we're really interested to know what, what is the answer to this. Uh, we, we see this, you know, in, in the, in the, when, you know, this discussion about Vidura in the third canto. There's a really interesting discussion about Vidura, but Vidura was mentioned in the first canto how Vidura gave up his home and, and left the palace and left his bow on, uh, on the door. And then later we see how the sages in Amrasharanya, they asked Sutta Goswami, well, can you explain more about this? We're really interested to hear about this. So we can see how these people, you know, the, 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 the sages, King Parikit, etc., um, how they have, con their minds are quite controlled. They're able to uh, patiently hear but not forget the question, not forget the points that are important to them. And we can see how, as Kali Yuga has evolved, how these qualities have also disappearing. Uh, you know, people just, their, 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 their memories are just like so poor in this day and age. You know, all of us, our memories are very, very poor. But we can see previously, people had very good memories. And even the Bhagavatam, and, and the scriptures, they were not written down at all. You know, like now we have all this elaborate system of numbering, etc., like that. But if you look at the Puranas, in the Puranas, generally speaking, they don't have, there's no numbers. And you'll see when, when you know, the Goswamis, for instance, when they're quoting um, particular verses from Puranas and things like that, they generally will just quote the, the line rather than saying, oh, you know, this number verse, blah, blah, blah. They'll just quote the line because that's what was known. There was no numbering system. And there's no systematic structure or systematic kind of 
organization of the scriptures like there is now with numbers and cantos and all that sort of stuff uh, because everything was was from memory there was there were no books i mean even the printing press if you look at the printing press this only came about i think it was about 300 400 years ago um, so it's, it's only a very recent thing whereas you know the, the these, these sages have been quoting these, these various passages from different scriptures for, for you know millennia but it's all based on memory they had a very very clear memory they understood uh, they recalled they recall the, the scriptures for verbatim but they also understood the context of the scriptures then so what happens in the beginning of, of the seventh <coughs> canto in the, the very first verse Parikit asks Shukadev Goswami you know we see that that you know the Lord Lord Vishnu he it seems to favor the uh, the sons of of, of Diti uh, sorry Aditi Indra and he kills Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu it seems like he's partial and, and the, the first chapter uh, I don't know if you remember the name of the first chapter the first chapter is actually called that the Lord is impartial to all he, he doesn't take favorites at all and so what happens we see is he asks this question um, at the beginning and he says, how can the Lord show partiality? And then Sukadev Goswami, he responds and he, he proves that the body of the conditioned soul is infected by the three qualities of nature, goodness, passion, ignorance. And as such, dualities arrive such as enmity and friendship. But these things don't exist. You know, they, they have enemy, friendship, attachment, detachment. But these things don't exist in the Supreme Personality of God because he's above the modes of nature. He's not influenced by the modes. Actually, we see Maya Jakshena Prakate Suryate Satchara. He's saying that this is my energy. I'm controlling this energy and from it come all moving or non-moving living entities. He's saying that I'm the controller of this energy. So he's not affected uh, by the modes of material nature. Yet we see, it's really interesting, we see how he takes on human-like forms and behaves like a human being. Just like we see in the pastimes of Ramachandra, or we see in the pastimes of Krishna, or practically any incarnation of the Lord, you know, where he takes on a human, apparent, you know, a, a form that looks human, that he seems to carry, he seems to uh, demonstrate human qualities. And especially we see in Krishna's uh, pastimes in Braj, his childhood pastimes in Braj, uh, just like we, we've just... Uh, celebrated the the month of Kartik and in, in, in that month we we uh, sing this song Dhammadrastika and Dhammadrastika the song it's actually glorifying Krishna's childhood pastimes and we see how Krishna is behaving just like an ordinary child and when Mother Yasoda chases him with a stick what does he do? Can you remember what he does Savior? What? He runs away but then when Mother Yasoda catches him what does he do? He cries. This is God. You know, you know, everyone, we see, we see how, you know, the Bhagavatam describes how the sun is shining out of fear of God, the wind is blowing out of fear of God, the rain is falling out of fear of God. Yet when Mother Yasoda is chasing the stick and catching him, going to punish him, he cries. 
It's quite astounding. And, and so, and we see, you know, that there's a really uh, beautiful verse in, the, in the, the eighth chapter of the first canto where Kunti is saying that, you know, you, you cover yourself with this deluding cur curtain of Maya. And I, I, you know, I'm bewildered by your pastimes. I just don't understand. Even though she's a pure unloyed devotee, she says she doesn't understand these pastimes. How when you show them, he chases you. you know? Because she's, she has more of a, um, an Aishvarya um, understanding of Krishna, how he's the Supreme Person of Godhead. But your Sotomayi doesn't have that. So we can see actually that her relationship with Krishna is superior to uh, Kunti's relationship. Even though they both have prem, it's a different type of prem. You know, Kunti's prem is more imbued with Aishvarya, or uh, we see with, with, with Yasodamayi, her prem is imbued with his motherly affection. She only knows Krishna as a son, and, and she only uh, wants to be able to raise him so he becomes a good man. You know? Whereas Kunti, she's seeing Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And we see with Yasodamayi, whenever this enters in, this, this Aishvarya concepts enter into her consciousness, she, she wants to get rid of them because you know, this interferes you know, with her relationship with Krishna. And you'll see with all the residents of Raja, they have this same kind of disposition, is that the time, from time to time they see the, the majesty of Krishna, the opulence of Krishna, but it's interfering with their relationship, and, and so they, they don't want to know about that. It, it's, it, no, 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 this is, this is not correct, you know. Where's Krishna? You know, we see that wonderful story where Krishna leaves the rasa dance and the, and the gopis, they, um, they go looking for Krishna and they, they come across Narayan and they offer their pranams to Narayan and they say to him, where's Krishna? They're not interested in, in this Aishvarya sort of concepts, they're just interested in Krishna. And they simply see Krishna as the most lovable person. That, that, that's all their interest is. They don't care that he, whether he's God or what, that's not, he's, he's so beautiful, he's so, he's so attractive and he's so lovable. We, we just want to be with him, we just want to you know, care for him, we just want to have loving exchanges, whatever their relationship is, that's all they're interested in. And we see here, it's really interesting how it's describing how, you know, th these great devotees incessantly think of the Supreme Person of, of Godhead, and they, they um, <coughs> excuse me, they uh, develop this, you know, the Sarupya Mukti, they take out a form which is similar. I mean, there's, there's different types of liberation. There's Sarupya, there's Samipya, there's Shasti, and there's Salokya. And there's also um, the uh, Sayuja, which devotees aren't really interested in. But, you know, one can have the same form, one can have the same opulence, one can have the same planet, one can be a friend, you know, like an associate. So we see in, in, in different ways the, the devotees of Krishna, they, they receive these opulences. But the difference between them and the demons is the demons may take on the form, but they, the relationship's not the same. Whereas when devotees, they, they, they um, absorb themselves, you know, in, in the form, the pastimes, you know, Madhuya Leela, uh, what, what's that, um, Guna Rupa Nam Nam, as it's described in the, in the, in the Guvastika. How one becomes absorbed in the Leela, the, the qualities, the form, the name, and, and then one actually achieves this, this destination, uh, you know, due to one's meditation. But 
we see for the devotees there's this exchange, there's a very intimate exchange, a very loving exchange with the Lord when they achieve perfection. Whereas for the demons, they don't have, and this is described by Jiva Goswami, is they don't have this same exchange of, uh, as the devotees do. And then, um, so Sukadeva Goswami, he explains that there's no dualities. And in order to um, give clarity on the point that he's making, he describes his whole pastime of Prahlad and, and um, you know, the killing of, of, of uh, you know, Prahlad with, with uh, Nishingadev and the killing of Hiranyakashipu. And, and even we, we, see, we see like, like um, with, with, here with Shishupal, uh, and it mentions here Shishupal, Dantavakra and other kings, uh, that they, they achieved this, this liberation. And as I was mentioning before, because of the, 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 the pure nature of Krishna, we see the same thing happen there in, in um, the Balakurachetra. Is, is that so many people were killed on the Balakuru Chetra and those who, who, who were killed by Arjuna, seeing the Supreme Person of God, they also achieved liberation. Uh, e even though they may have been shooting arrows in the direction of Krishna and Arjuna, and they may have inflicted you know, harm upon the body of Krishna, still, because they saw Krishna at the moment of death, they actually achieved, uh, you know, the bare minimum heavenly planets, but that, that was for the other chakras. But those who actually saw Krishna at the moment of death, they achieved liberation. Again, may not be the same liberation as the devotees achieve, because the devotees, the liberation they achieve, they're not devotees aren't so much in, interested in liberation. They're interested in relationship. So this is what they achieve. They achieve a loving relationship with the supreme personality of Godhead. In, in one of these uh, various rasas. And it's really interesting here also, uh, commenting on this verse, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur, he quotes a, <coughs> a similar verse from the, from the 10th canto, chapter 83, the prayers by the personified Vedas. And it's describing there how the personified Vedas, um, that they're offering prayers you see at the end of the 83rd chapter how the personified Vedas are offering prayers to Krishna. Krishna becomes, you know, they're the glorifying Krishna. Krishna becomes happy with their prayers and he asks them if they, if they, if they uh, want a benediction. And so they, they say, yes, we'd like a benediction. We'd actually like to um, have a relationship with you similar to the gopis of Vrindavan. And then Krishna says, oh, this is very difficult. You know, it's very, it's almost impossible to achieve it, but because I've sanctioned it, because I've offered you a benediction, it will happen. So then what happens is, and this is, this is also described in the Bhagavatam, it touches on the, 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 uh, the gopis who are the shrutis, but uh, we also see that uh, this is described in, in one of the Puranas, I can't remember which one, but it mentions how in a later kalpa of Lord Brahma that they also became the 